Please take your copy of God's Word and turn with me, if you will, to Revelation chapter 6. And we're going to, Lord willing, study this entire chapter this morning. And let's stand once you have that. If you're able to stand, join with me as I read for us Revelation chapter 6, verses 1 to 17, in this great vision of the seals. Then I saw the Lamb open one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures say with a voice like thunder, Come. I looked, and there was a white horse. Its rider held a bow. A crown was given to him, and he went out as a conqueror in order to conquer. And when he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come. And then another horse went out, a fiery red one, and its rider was allowed to take peace from the earth, so that the people would slaughter one another, and a large sword was given to him. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come. And I looked, and there was a black horse. Its rider held a set of scales in his hand. And then I heard something like a voice among the four living creatures say, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, but do not harm the oil and the wine. And when he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come. And I looked, and there was a pale green horse. Its rider was named Death, and Hades was following after him. And they were given authority over a fourth of the earth to kill by sword, by famine, by plague, and by the wild animals of the earth. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slaughtered because of the word of God and the testimony they had given. They cried out with a loud voice, Lord, the one who is holy and true, how long until you judge those who live on the earth and avenge our blood? So they were each given a white robe, and they were told to rest a little while longer until the number would be completed of their fellow servants and their brothers and sisters who were going to be killed just as they had been. Then I saw him open the sixth seal. A violent earthquake occurred. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of hair. The entire moon became like blood. The stars of the heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its unripe figs when shaken by a high wind. The sky was split apart like a scroll being rolled up, and every mountain and island was moved to its place, from its place. Then the kings of the earth, the nobles, the generals, the rich, the powerful, and every slave and free person hid in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, and they said to the mountains and to the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of the one seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Because the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to stand? This is God's word for us this morning. Please be seated. I'm mindful that we concluded the service at 11 minutes after 11 last week, and so I have extra time this morning <laughs> as we look at this very long and very dense chapter, good chapter. I was reminded this week that this side of eternity, no good thing lasts forever. Uh, I experienced that this week, and what I mean by that is this. For the past several months, as I've been teaching through the book of Revelation, as we've been studying it together, I've been helped by various commentaries, even though those commentaries are written by commentators who hold very different perspectives on the best way to understand Revelation. And that's because while there's some slight disagreement, for the most part, the commentators really kind of understand the first five chapters of the book of Revelation similarly. And so I was able to kind of glean from the valuable insights that those various commentators provided me, but that stopped this week. It all changed. As we enter into Revelation 6, we're entering into a 
portion of the book, and really it's the rest of the book, where good and faithful men and women disagree. And they know God's Word, and they have the Holy Spirit within them, and they want very much to study His truth, and yet, uh, in all honesty, they disagree with one another about the best way to understand the book of Revelation, and it begins really here with these seals. So those who hold to the historicist interpretation of Revelation, they understand the unsealing of the scroll to really represent the beginning of the fall of the Roman Empire. They're kind of pegging it in history. Those who hold to a preterist interpretation of Revelation understand the unsealing of the scroll to be a description of God's judgment, which was poured out on the city of Jerusalem in 66 to 70 A.D., those who hold to the idealist perspective, that's if you've heard of the term amillennialism, uh, if you know that perspective, and many of you do, they understand the seven seals to be part of what's really the second section of seven sections throughout the book of Revelation. And each one of those sections really kind of tells us the story of history from Christ's first coming to his second coming, but it says from seven different perspectives. And so God's giving us wisdom. That's their understanding of the book of Revelation. And so this second seals-focused section is a, a perspective on history, on the church age, which talks about God's judgment in history and the suffering of his people in the midst of history. That's how they understand this section of the book. Those who hold to the dispensational kind of futurist perspective on Revelation understand the first six seals to be kind of the initial, uh, the initial blast of God's end-time judgment. These seals, as they're broken one by one, God is unleashing end-time judgment upon the earth. Uh, these six seals are followed by the seventh seal, which most understand would include the seven trumpets and the seven bowls, which are further sequential type judgments. As these seals are broken, God's final judgment on humanity is unleashed. Listen to how John MacArthur put it. He said, each of the scroll's seven seals represents a specific divine judgment that will be poured out sequentially on the earth. The seals encompass the entire period of the tribulation, culminating with the return of Christ. Now, as I said at the beginning of this study, I'm not going to be able to explain to you every possible interpretation of each and every passage in this book. By God's grace, I hope to be able to explain to you what I believe about each one of the passages of this book, and I'll do it from the perspective that I hold, which would be known uh, generally as the non-dispensational futurist, but, but more often called the historic premillennial perspective on the way to understand the book of Revelation. So how does a historic premillennialist understand the seals? I'm glad you've asked because that's what we're studying this morning. So we're going to spend the rest of our time looking at Revelation 6. But two reminders. One, no one holds their view on Revelation because they're stupid or because they don't want to honor the Lord or because they don't know how to study the Bible. A second thing to keep in mind, there is one right interpretation. And we need the Holy Spirit of God to give us wisdom so that we get to that interpretation. Because what we want is not a person's opinion. What we want is the truth of God's word. So I just encourage you again, as we go through the book of Revelation, pray for me. And ask that God will help me 
understand his word so that we can understand his word together. So we're continuing our study of the book of Revelation for the past three weeks. We've been looking at chapter 4 and chapter 5. It's been this majestic vision of the throne room of heaven. The one seated upon the throne is God the Father. He's praised as the creator. The lamb, the one who redeemed his people, well, he's praised as the redeemer. This is the Lord Jesus, the eternal son of God who died for us so that we might be saved. And they are worshipped and rightly worshipped by glorious heavenly beings. And it's a reminder for us what? That's what we were created for. That we were created to worship the sovereign one, our God and our King. Well, this morning we are going to look and see what happens when the Lord Jesus, the Lamb, takes the scroll. He's worthy to open the scroll. Well, what happens when he takes the scroll in his hands and begins to break the six seals, or the first six seals, because there's a seventh that we'll get to. As he breaks the seals, we will see really what unfolds before us, kind of the history of the suffering of humanity over the past 2,000 years. We'll see wars and violence and conflict and death. We'll see famine. We'll see plague. Really, we're seeing God's judgment, God's historical judgments, and we're going to see end-time judgment in the sense of the great and final day. We get a picture of that as well. And along the way, we're going to focus our hearts on four truths that this passage teaches us. Four truths. If you're taking notes, four truths from Revelation chapter 6, verses 1 to 17. First truth, God is sovereign over his judgments in history. He's sovereign over his judgments in history. Second truth, God limits his judgment in history. A third truth, God's final judgment is in part a response to the suffering of his people. And fourth, God's final judgment will bring history to a climactic end. Hopefully you got the handout when you came in because those are long points. Let's dive into the exposition. This is going to take a little while because there's a lot here. So track with me as we work our way through these 17 verses together. Let's dive into chapter 6. Let me give you just kind of two initial observations that will guide our path through chapter 6. First, I want you to notice something about the scroll. I want you to notice that the scroll is sealed with seven seals. So the scroll we've identified is kind of the scroll of destiny, which contains in itself God's plan for the summation of all of human history, including uh, his judgment of his enemies, the salvation of his people, and the establishment of his eternal kingdom. That scroll is sealed. And the purpose of seals is to hold the scroll closed, and until the seals are broken, the scroll is closed. In other words, and this is important, the seals themselves cannot be a part of the summation of human history. They're preparatory for it. They prepare us for what's coming. To put it plainly, only after the seventh seal is opened do we get to this series of God's actual end-time judgments, His plan for the wrapping up of human history. Second, Notice by looking at the chapter that these six seals, which is contained in chapter 6, can be broken into two groups. Uh, The first four seals, they go together. This is where you get the the so-called four horsemen of the apocalypse. They very evidently go together. Well, now the second two seals, the fifth and the sixth, or that second group, they go together as well. How? Because the martyrs under the altar are crying out for God's judgment on the earth. And then in the sixth seal, what happens? That judgment is poured out. So there's a connection there as well. 
Accordingly, as we study these seals, we want to let Scripture interpret Scripture and try to understand what there is for us to learn here. Scripture always helps us interpret Scripture, and we need to interpret these seals in light of one another. But what are the seals? My view, my understanding, what I think Scripture teaches is that these seals, particularly the first four seals, they lay out for us in symbolic language God's judgments in history. So think about what we read from Matthew 24 earlier, that uh, history, human history has been marked by great traumas, wars, and rumors of wars, and along with wars have come suffering and famine and pestilence or plague and death. That's really what's marked humanity from the beginning. The war in the heart has manifested itself in war among nations, and we're continuing to see it in our own day. And the Bible teaches that as the end times come, we can expect those things to increase, that they'll happen more and more. But we need to understand that while sin is the root of those conflicts and all of the tragedies that we think of when we think of the brokenness of this world, at the same time, we understand that God has placed within sin kind of the seeds of its own destruction. And so this is really God's judgment. Uh, Brothers and sisters before us, they understood this. This is why they would have days of fasting during wars. And they'd be crying out to God and asking for his mercy on their nation. So here's historical judgments. And the Bible says that these are going to increase. Matthew 24, verse 7 and 8. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these events are the beginning of labor pain. Now, for its part, the fifth seal takes us to this scene in heaven where under the altar, heaven pictured as a temple, under the altar, you have the souls of the martyrs, those who have given their life for Christ. And what are they doing? They're crying out for vengeance. They're crying out for judgment. They're crying out for justice because for the past 2,000 years, we have not only witnessed man's inhumanity towards man in the sense of war and the tragedies that go along with it, we've also seen the hostility of man against those who follow Jesus in the form of persecution and suffering and death. And so these martyrs, they cry out to God for judgment. And the sixth seal, with its description of the dissolution of heavens and the abject terror of God's enemies, they picture the great and final day. Now, with all that in mind, I want us to look now at the first four seals and, and, and keep this in mind as well. So for me, one of the most intense scenes, scenes in The Lord of the Rings was the, 